0: Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Vaughn Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at Finn, and I am joined by the amazing Reed Wellick, president of Fifth Wall Solutions. Reed, how are you? I'm good, Connor. Good to be here and uh, looking forward to chit chatting for a little bit. For folks who have no idea who you are or what Fifth Wall is, can you give a brief description of both?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm the president of Fifth Wall. I've uh, been with the company for, gosh, seven years. Um, and, uh, I, I think most of what I do and I'm associated with is being a cyber insurance nerd. That's kind of, uh, my core, uh, skill set. I think that I turn into an occupation, um, fifth wall is a company. We are a cyber insurance wholesaler. Um, we're very unique in that all we do, all we touch, all we work around, all we work with is cyber insurance. It's their core competency. And, uh, we built a company around, um, not just providing access to, the majority of the global marketplace of all cyber insurance carriers. So to be able to get really good access to the products, uh, but to do a level of consulting around um, all parts and pieces that that touch that. So understanding the exposure level of risk. uh, And we took that business that we were traditionally doing with retail agents um, and we started working with MSPs in 2021 uh, to really help MSPs understand a lot of the complexities of what's going on with cyber insurance with their end clients. And uh, since then, we've been really driving that um, as almost like a service slash tool set for MSPs to really leverage cyber insurance as a framework um, that their their clients are being beholden to and uh, allowing them to mature around that, uh, particularly when it comes to driving security solutions that fall in line with what insurance is looking for. So um, it's been an adventure, but we're we're having a lot of fun. Cyber insurance is a mystical being that
0: hides itself from Mm. Libyan view. And I'm the plebeian here. Uh, It's often incredibly, in all seriousness, what I hear a lot is that it's not only incredibly confusing, but, you know, the cost of messing up, getting the wrong insurance policy or not knowing what insurance policy you have uh, is bad. There are a ton Mm -hmm. of outcomes that aren't favorable to
1: anyone involved if that happens. Yeah. The unfortunate reality is I was, I was hoping, you know, I said this probably back in 2000, 2018, where the main issue is an awareness issue, right? And we started to see kind of this rising tide of awareness at all levels, right? But but hopefully down to the business owner. Um, But man, it's still, we have not gotten very far when it has come to just like a general sense of understanding, not just you know how a business um, is on a risk position. Like what are they facing? What are the possible outcomes? But what does cyber insurance actually do to mitigate that risk? Um, So it's still, I mean, a lot of our efforts, which... I was hoping at this point in 2024, we would be a lot further just from, you know, general awareness shifts for, for most companies. Uh, we spend a ton of time educating. That's really a core competency of ours too, is trying to demystify, Connor, that, uh, that thing that out, that's out there in the ether. It's out there. It's like Dormammu from, uh, Dr. Strange. We
0: we didn't know this existed. Um, one of the things a lot of my MSP partners talk about is that cyber insurance is enforcing security awareness training among a host of other things. But, you know, cyber insurance, I know a little bit about awareness training. Can you tell uh,
1: the folks listening a little more about that? Yeah, yeah. So um, for anyone that's, I mean, understanding how insurance works, you have to be measured to a degree, right? They have to say, hey, are you doing the things that you need to be doing to just not be out there willy-nilly and be in this really, really risky uh, business? Um, And so part of that is, uh, it's called underwriting, and it's, you know, it's that's the evaluation piece, um, and that's evolved. Certainly, uh, probably the most evolution in cyber has occurred in the past three years. Prior to that, it was very lackadaisical. it was very uh, uh, unstructured. Um, and these are all independent insurance companies that are saying, "Hey, what is it that we need to be asking and evaluating out there to understand if this business is doing the right stuff? Right? Are they a good? You know, much like you know, for uh, someone that's trying to get car insurance." if you've had 15 speeding tickets and you constantly are blowing through red lights, right. Uh, that's probably going to be a different outcome than someone that's been really, really good at driving and demonstrated good behavior. So uh, where awareness training has come into play is, you know, we have statistically seen year over year, over year, over year, that human error is the driving force for many of these events. Right. So on a claim side for insurance, they want to go back through and say, what went wrong and how can we avoid that? Right. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's the, In this evolution of the past three years, it's gone from, hey, we think our, our insured should be doing awareness training to now they must be doing awareness training, right? That shift has been very real and the data has proven that the difference kind of, you know, the, the cause and effect here of, of properly educating your people and actually um, putting them in an environment where they understand uh, their role uh, is, is a huge impact, right? And insurance is... Trying to uh, play the game of not spending money, even though that it's uh, it's something that ultimately that's what it's meant to do. It's something they're trying to avoid. They're uh, legalized gamblers. They're trying to make uh, bets. That's right. They're trying. To, they're trying to
0: make bets, and they're trying to hope that they win. I.e., if a company is a less risky bet, and they're not going to get breached, or they have a set of behaviors that leads them to leaves the leads the hundreds or thousands of actuaries they hire across the world yeah. to believe that company won't get breached. Uh, they'll probably make the bet. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we're, we're we're getting better at placing the bets. That is, uh, is that is that the primary like evolution of cyber insurance? If you've seen it for the last three years, I mean, I've only been in the industry for three years, but when I started uh, doing, uh, when I start when I started building Fin, cyber insurance wasn't even a conversational topic. And it feels like today, every person that reaches out, every client that's asking the the MSP partners we work with to do awareness training, and you ask them, what's the motivation here? I want to say like 80% of them, 70% of them or say cyber
1: insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You, you shared that st- to stat with me like a week or two ago and I actually was, was kind of shocked by that. Like, yeah. like that's, but that's good. Right. Um, and what we're seeing is not only is it being, you know, there's anywhere between 50 and 150 questions on these applications. Right. Um, and I think for what the listeners need to be aware of is not all of those actually are relevant to an underwriter saying, you know, go or no go, right? Eligibility, and also how is this being priced? Um, A lot of them are just for data collection. And for quite some time, the security awareness training was more for data collection. And now it's moved more so into that bucket of, oh no, like depending on how they answer that question, they are either going to not get a cyber policy or if they do, it's going to be more expensive, right? And I, um, You know, one way or the other, if we go back to the rising tide of awareness thing, like that's, I look at that, I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's great because it's enforcing the right behavior. It's enforcing, and it's an unfortunate reality that some folks, not all, but some have to touch the stove to know it's hot. Right. (laughs) And you don't want them to touch the stove. You don't want them to go through the horror of uh, having their business uh, be under attack um, or go through a cyber breach. so like these types of things that are enforcing really good behavior that we know are, are meaningful, um, all about.
0: Can you think of any way that um, the cyber insurance industry is going to continue changing? What new things might be sure. enforced or asked for? What will, will new data be collected or will everything just become a requirement at some point in the future? What do you think about
1: that? So it always has to evolve, right? That's one thing. So the answer is, yes, Connor, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the specifics of that, I think we're already seeing other, you know, it's kind of two, two buckets of how are they evaluating the controls, the security controls, security awareness training being one of those. But, you know, yeah. EDR, uh, MFA, throw another acronym in there, um, pro- properly uh, set up and segregated backups. You know, there is a, a core list here. Uh, and I know we've we've gone through those multiple times, but that list is expanding. As so we start to see like privileged access management, we start to see them getting more specific and meticulous on the the types of questions that they're asking around these controls, right? Specifically, where they want to see MFA. Um, that's all being influenced on kind of a insurance is a very big cause and effect industry, right? They like they look at the actuar the actuaries are going, hey, hey, Connor, look at the data showing this historical data, right? So yeah. saying, so this should influence the future. So, hey, boss, change it because this was a bad thing. This was a good thing. Um, cyber is really tough because it's not been around for a very long time in insurance. So in insurance world, it's a baby. So there's not a lot of actuarial data. So they're, they're still kind of like, they're most comfortable with placing those bets based off of their own data. But they're also now, you know, they're, they're willing to take in other data sets that are influencing it. The second piece of that, um, so that's always going to evolve. Right. So yeah. depending on how things are going and the consequences, it's going to dictate action. The other piece of it is how are we evaluating how these controls are managed? So it's not just the presence of it. Let's use EDR for, or MDR, for example. Like if, if you had that deployed across only 50% of your endpoints and of that majority are in passive mode, that's not really doing much. Right. Compared to if it was properly configured and across all endpoints within the whole organization. And so the next level that we're seeing is, is insurance companies are going to, it, it just makes sense, need to be able to better validate the answers to these questions, right? So like it's, a, it's deeper than just a yes or no black and white question. It's uh, getting a better understanding of those intricacies that I can see coming down the pipe. It's like uh,
0: cyber insurance went from, do you have a heartbeat and what's your company's revenue to yep. please tell us how you actually think you're securing your business and in which ways. Yeah. Um, one thing you and I have chatted about briefly, which is incredibly interesting to me, is so you mentioned one of the differences between cyber, uh, not cyber insurance, but insurance industries in general, is cyber is incredibly young compared to the others. Mm. And I would also argue it's like, let's talk about flood insurance, like that you have to get on your house or something. Flood planes change so slowly over the course of hundreds, if not thousands, of years that figuring out what a twenty, fifty, hundred, two hundred year flood plane is is Probably a already done thing and not gonna change. But figuring out what cybersecurity threats your business is gonna face changes, uh, I don't wanna sound like alarmist, but minute by minute. So like, yeah. I can recall several times last year while I'm in the slacks and the discords with all of these other security professionals, and it's like, Hey, we just saw this. Uh, you better fix it because tap it in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh your insurance company's not the one calling you saying, Hey, we're noticing this. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing about it? So yeah. How is insurance yeah. going to adjust
1: to, I view that as one of the biggest differences between insurance uh, industries. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a reality that insurance uh, practice is a very old one, right? But yeah. it's tried and true. And your point is really, really valid because they're used to types of, uh, you know, exposures and perils that they have been able to study for a really long time. And I actually have a just, you know, they, they're not um, successful hundred percent of the time, but they don't need to be. Right. They just need to be successful a certain percentage of the time to maintain um, you know, their profits and so on and so forth. But for cyber, the big issue, and, and I'll get to what I think they're going to do, but one of the things I'll add is uh, insurance in general is going to operate off of also like, what does it look like if you know, what they call the catastrophic loss? The catastrophic. Loss. What's the event that actually puts everybody back in their heels? Like a hurricane. Right? A hurricane is one of those things that many people might not know, but like, a, when a hurricane happens it affects the entire insurance industry for the most part, right? There's always something tied, right? Um, And it's kind of looking at economics and you can kind of see it's this living, breathing organism. But we haven't had one of those in cyber. So that's also a big concern for all of these companies to say, well, we think we're placing good bets, but we don't have data on what that big catastrophic loss looks like. And it it definitely is putting people on their heels. Um, But I think the reality, Connor, is that they're going to need to continue to. Um, adjust their process to the old and dusty top hat and monocle sitting in the London office, going, "Ah, yes, the past two hundred years have dictated exactly this." Right? Um, to being able to work with a lot of third parties that have a really, really, you know, better idea and insight into how to evaluate these things. I think insurance companies at some point can get there themselves, but man, that's just like a really tall ask. So we're already seeing a lot of companies form really good partnerships. And we're also seeing them, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to validating these things, they can get a lot of good data to say, hey, look, this is what's coming. This is what's you know we should be paying attention to as an insurance company. But then um, you know, it's kind of like, what are they asking for, for not only to be per- you know, on the left of boom to prevent, what are they doing on the right of boom side? Because it's kind of this inevitable explosion that's going to occur, but how do we reduce the blast radius? And I also see that's another direction they have to go to understand like. They're validating these controls. Like, what are they doing to really ensure on the IR side that it's kind of like a, we all say it, but the, the when, not if. that they're instituting good practices to make sure those businesses can get right back up. Yeah,
0: that's largely what spawned like uh, zero trust mindsets and yep. architectures. Exactly. Ass- assume you're already breached. Assume there's already malicious activity. Assume there's already malicious actors. How would you like your people and your systems and your processes to behave? Go. Um, yeah. It probably is a really healthy way. I mean, it exists because it creates some amount of additional security. So it'd probably be really healthy for the insurance industry to adopt it as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, there's a slight issue too, which is, you know, you've got really good, and this is, we're seeing this in the MSP space, right? You've got all these solutions that are built, but not for scale. They're built in the enterprise space. And I think, and, and but, but you've got companies that are taking, like, we'll take, Privileged access management, for for example, right? They took for a long time. That was really mostly for the enterprise space. But now it took a level of creativity to say, hey, how do we take that and put it into the SMB market? It needs to be accessible. It needs to be affordable. It needs to be scalable. Um, insurance companies are looking at the same thing, right? What mm-hmm. they're asking, you know, they could ask for the moon, but is that really achievable, right? Is it really achievable to ask a business to invest $100,000 right now to become the best risk possible? No. And they just won't buy your policy. It's as easy as that. They'll go, they'll go somewhere else. Right. And so they have to ride that line. Right. Yeah. That is, uh, you know, it's hard
0: enough to convince people to spend on cybersecurity, especially if it's a small business with razor thin margins and, you know, in this growth mode and, uh, you know, cybersecurity is here for Main Street America. A lot of people are more aware of it than ever. And I think cyber insurance is going to be a piece of that moving forward. 100%. If, uh, if folks wanted to reach out to you or reach out to learn a little bit more about Fifth Wall, uh, where would you yeah. suggest they go?
1: Well, the easiest place is if you go to uh, fifthwallsolutions.com slash MSP. If you yourself have been an MSP and would love to just better understand how we work with the community, how we work with MSPs to leverage everything I've talked about. Um, there's four pieces of information to fire in there and you will hear back from us uh, the same day typically um, to just reach out, learn more about you and We're an education-first type organization. We want to make sure it's a good fit. So, Awesome. Um, Well, Reed, thanks
0: for for hopping on. Thanks for chatting with me. If you were uh, listening or watching, we will have links to um, everything Reed just mentioned. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about cyber insurance, feel free to do so. Um, Cyber insurance is a topic that keeps coming up. I know incredibly little about it, and so do many of the people who bring it up to me. So I always point people to Fifth Wall uh, to say just... Go talk to them, go download the PDFs and go learn a smidge more about cyber insurance and you'll feel incredibly, uh, incredibly well-educated. So awesome work. We appreciate that, Connor. And thanks for having me. Anytime. Thanks for being on, folks. Thanks for listening or watching. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits then check out FinSecurity at P-H-I-N-S-E-C or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.